We are so grateful to have Podium Education as the sponsors of this episode of Thought Feeder. Kind of sounds like a diss, though, right? Like, <laughs> like you get the always on award because you never turn off. Like, we're so sorry that you don't know how to turn off. Welcome to the Thought Feeder Podcast. I'm John Stephen Stansel, and with me as always is the fashionably bespectacled Joel Goodman. This week we have with us the social media manager for St. Petersburg College and recent Sprout Social Always On Award recipient, Alexa Heinrich. Thank you so much for being with us this week, Alexa. Thank you for having me. I was very excited to be here. We're, we're thrilled to have you. You know, you and I have talked a lot on Twitter back and forth a little bit, and you do just an amazing job educating others and being an advocate for the importance of accessibility on social media. And I think it's, it's such an important topic and one that, you know, we talk a lot about, it, but I also think we don't talk about enough. So, you know, just kind of start off with, you know, can social media managers be better advocates for accessibility in social media? Well, I really think it's a, a lead by example kind of deal. Like you have to implement these best practices in order to advocate for them. And I'm always very pro. It's not just the social media managers or the digital communicators. It's a matter of you have to get your management on board. You have to get leadership on board, which I'm very lucky to have at my college. My leadership is all about what I do. They were really excited when they heard that I had been you know, asked to talk about this subject for the National Institute for Social Media, for different podcasts, and then I got the award which kind of highlighted my accessibility work. So I'm lucky in that aspect because they make it a priority because I've made it a priority, which is just huge because it makes it easier for me to do my job and educate other people at the college and beyond. Yeah. Oh, you know, that, that's an interesting issue to touch on too, because I think one thing I have noticed about being, you know, you being an advocate on, on social media is, you know, we make that sort of part of our job and that helps us do our job a little bit better in some ways when we are a little bit more vocal and we go out and, and do presentations and things like that. So, so can, can you address how, how that's helped you a little bit and in, in arguing for better accessibility at your university? Sure. Well, for one thing, when there's more people on board with accessibility, then I don't have to put so many flyers on Instagram, which is always kind of a great thing, but it helps my colleagues, coworkers think about the content that they're sending me a little bit better. And I actually get better content because of that, because they're like, oh no, I know that's not going to work because Alex would have to do X, Y, and Z in order for it to like work properly which is always great. So they think about it a little bit more and they're more conscious of what I'm doing. So that's helped immensely just in the past year, year and a half that I've been with this college. But I think just talking about it more and bringing more awareness around the subject helps the entire digital community a lot. Cause I, I get people all the time now that are like, I, I didn't think of this before you started shouting about it into the void. I'm like, that's great. I'm glad that you're thinking about it more. So it's just, it's really cool to see how it's been embraced more by our community online. Yeah, I, I think especially for, for me, kind of getting on board of accessibility, is, and I, I think for a lot of people, is they don't realize that it's an issue. And once somebody's made aware of it, most people want to do the right thing, right? And they go, oh, okay, well, I can add alt text, and that's a simple thing I can do to make my content accessible, add, add closed captions and things like that. But bringing that awareness is something that 
is so important because I, I don't think, you know, one, the general public aren't aware of it. So obviously when I, when I bring it up to university leadership, you know, I've never been in a meeting where a, a VP has said, oh no, we don't want our content to be accessible. Right. So generally it's, it's that just bringing it up, bringing that, that topic to the table. But aside from that, what, what, what do you see as the biggest roadblock to universities creating accessible social media content? I, I just think bandwidth. I mean, you and I hear it all the time about, well, I'm a one person team or there's two, only two of us and we're covering, you know, seven different schools within the university. And that's just so hard. I mean, I'm, I'm technically the only full-time person for my college, but I have a part-time, I hate calling her an assistant, but that's her title. Um, I have a part-time person who she's very pro accessibility. Once I've taught her about this and my department's very pro accessibility. So I really think it's a, a bandwidth, but then just understanding the little things you can do and the platforms themselves, aside from Twitter now, don't really stress accessibility or the, their accessibility features. So I think Twitter's done a really nice job in recent months of being more transparent about what you can do to be accessible. But then you have the other platforms that don't, aren't really doing that. Like Instagram posts pictures all the time and they don't have alt text and it drives me bonkers. It's again, it's kind of that lead by example and what bigger example for social media accessibility would there be than the platforms themselves doing that? I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. I think on the the bandwidth side, sometimes I think in a lot of institutions, this goes back to what what leadership thinks is important and, and how, especially in higher ed, uh, maybe not especially in higher ed, but definitely in higher ed, everything's an emergency, everything's urgent, everything has to happen right now, where I think a lot of general bandwidth problems, whether it has to do with accessibility or you know other responsibilities that social media managers, web content people, designers, you know, anyone that's working in the digital marketing space in higher ed, all they need to do is have leadership realize that you can take an extra five minutes to make sure that something is done the right way. And it can have a profound impact on not just the final product that's going out, you know, not just making sure that you're including alt text and images or that you've burned captions in or includes, included closed captioning on YouTube videos or whatever else. It's that there's this systemic thinking that starts to change in terms of, no, we don't have to have this out now. In five minutes, it's not going to make that big of a difference. And in fact, in five minutes, it's going to make a bigger impact because we're affecting everyone that we can possibly reach and not precluding <laughs> some people. Or I, I mean, honestly, like I'm harsh, but not harming some people, which I think it does mm -hmm. come down to when you're not paying attention to it. You're you're harming someone else. And that's that's a very it's an important issue. And it all it takes is a, a few extra minutes, five, ten, it may be a little longer for captions, but. Also, if you're not doing captioning, you're opening yourself up to some other issues right now. <laughs> yeah. Plus the whole, everything is an emergency. Everything is a priority. Uh, okay. Well, most of the timelines aren't chronological anyway. Yeah. So yeah. unless you're, you know, you've got it switched over on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, and I don't even know how LinkedIn's algorithm actually works. That one is... It's Wild. a mystery. So, but yeah, those, those timelines aren't 
chronological and it's not feeding into anyone's feed chronological. So yeah, it might be an emergency, but the algorithm's not going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, 65% of the global population relies on inclusive technology, possibly. That's, that's a huge, that's a huge number of people that you're taking out of your messaging by not being accessible. And, at, at, you know, like Joel saying, it doesn't take a huge amount of time to, to do that, to, you know, an, an extra, you know, five minutes tops to add alt text, you know, if you're, if you're really getting detailed and nitty gritty with it. But I mean, general, like some of the, I, I've railed against like the, the statements that people put out on these long image text statements that one, you know, I, I don't require accessible technology, but I have an incredibly difficult time reading on my phone. Two, well, I mean, it takes five minutes to cut and paste that text into to the alt text or put it up on your website where right. everybody else can read it and it's searchable. Like you copied and pasted it into the graphic. I mean, right. copy yeah. and paste it into, into your alt text field. Well, and the thing is, is that, I mean, most of the time when you see that stuff, it's coming from these huge brands or these huge organizations or you know, major sporting teams all of which normally have a PR and news section on their yeah. website. So what is the point of creating this graphic if you're not going to use the section on your website that's made for this type of thing? Mm. So, I mean, when we do coronavirus updates, oh, coronavirus, we have a graphic that just says COVID-19 coronavirus update. And then I will have readable text where I either send them to our website or I have a note on Facebook or I thread it on Twitter. I was like, a Twitter thread is not the end of the world. As long as someone can actually read that text, that's the important yeah. part, especially for a public health update. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that's where the advocacy part is so important of making people aware of this. Because I think what happens, especially my, my theory, because generally we're seeing a lot of these statements come from sports teams. And what I think is happening is someone high up in that organization is seeing these sort of messages pop up on Twitter and going, oh, that's how it's done. Going to their team communications team and saying, I need, here's my statement, put it in a graphic. And they have so much weight and power that that team is afraid to push back and say, hey, no, that's not the best way to do it. And they roll with it anyway, which leads to the snowball effect of more content like that because more and more people see it. So we need people like you, Alexa, going out and saying, no, this is not how we do it. So I, I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I agree. More people need to speak up against that type of stuff and, and be backed by their leadership. We had that at the college where um, I'm not going to name the State Department, but someone sent a toolkit to like all of the 28 Florida State colleges of, hey, can you guys share this? But there was like no landing page to link to or anything. It was just a bunch of graphics. And I quite literally told my director, I'm not doing this. It's not accessible. She's like, that's fine. She's like, I don't want you to compromise our values in order to put out a five minute graphic that people probably won't pay attention to. It was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and that's awesome to have that support. Mm -hmm. I do think there is a level of, of a lot of people who don't have that, who get that order, hey, publish this infographic up on social. And, and maybe they push back and that person, you know, their supervisor is unwilling to push back to their supervisor of, hey, just make them happy, just post it and, and don't think about it. But like Joel says, all, you know, I said all of these bits of inaccessible content 
do damage. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's it's nice when you have leadership in your corner. So I'm I'm lucky compared to a lot of our peers, apparently, which is sad. Is that support something that you've like consciously cultivated or was it naturally there? So I came into the college last June and they kind of had the, I mean, the department overall, there's like 25 of us and it's a Mm -hmm. very tight knit department and it's very much my director leads with you guys are the experts in your field, which is great. And when I came in, I was kind of talking about the accessibility of certain things when I get sent flyers and they kind of, they kind of laughed about it a little bit. They're like, Oh, you're, you're way stricter than we were. I was like, yeah, but it's a thing. And then I just kept feeding them information and talking about it more. They're like, Oh yeah, no, this is definitely a thing that we should care about a hundred percent, which is, which is awesome. So it was there. I just made it more of a priority. Yeah. The more I talk about it. Plus it helps that like, I have all these people now that want to listen to me yell about this. So they're like, Oh, okay. It's not just us. Got it. (laughs) So yeah. But again, I have a, I have a great team of people that I work with. So it's, it's just nice to have that support. Yeah, definitely. That's the support is just so important. And, and the understanding of, of the importance of it and, and why we're doing it. I, I've even argued a little bit that creating accessible content should be part of a social media manager's job description. It needs to be included there. I've put it on my annual evaluation. So each year when I get, oh, we do our evaluations twice a year, that always comes up. Like, am I keeping our content accessible? And I am, but I also want my supervisors to understand what I'm doing because some of this behind the scenes content that they're not aware of needs to be brought to their attention. Yeah. And I I try really hard with like the volunteer social people at our different campuses to educate them on this stuff. And it helps when I frame it like, well, that's not clickable. That's not actionable. So you want to do it this way instead. Oh, by the way, it's also accessible if you do it this way. So trying to find ways that it, they feel like it, it benefits what they're doing, I guess. But again, it comes down to, you should just care about how people are experiencing (laughs) your content i shouldn't have to guilt trip anyone and for the most part the people that i work with at the campuses are really understanding about that they're like oh yeah no that that totally makes sense and you're right we should care about people especially our students well it comes down you 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 made a good point there about you know this is not clickable or actionable that that accessible content is better for everyone not just those who need those Mm -hmm. uh, assistive technologies like it becomes better when when I when I post something in a form that is accessible, it furthers our goals in, in better ways. Even from a creation standpoint, there have been times when I'm writing alt text for an image, and as I'm writing that description, I start to think to myself, well, maybe this isn't the best image after all, and I'll go back and change it. So it, it helps you become more intentional about what you post. Yeah, I always say that one of the big reasons to be accessible is. I mean, we're marketers. So at the base of our goal is we want as many people as possible to see our message, engage with our message. So why wouldn't you take that extra step to make sure that the other 65% of the population is seeing your message? And and that's the thing that's that's always bugged me is that for some reason, making content accessible is seen as not related to the actual business goals of the organization when 
it's central. Like if like any marketing is about, like you said, getting as many people to engage and interact and see your content as possible. And if you're excluding a whole group because you're not thinking about it, like that's not accessibility being a chore. That's to be frank, you being a bad marketer. It's, it's you not knowing the core job function of what you're doing. And I, I don't know, I don't know what the fix is. Like, I think there's definitely the education side of it. I think there's kind of the slow burn of like what you've done with, you know, being more vocal about it. And I've, I've talked about that approach with a lot of other different marketing verticals, channels, whatever. And I think that that works. I mean, it's, it's a very good, like, bring everyone together and get people to buy in from a, a central kind of standpoint. But I wonder at what point we've got a, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder when the shoe drops. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> someone says, like, no, this is, this is central to marketing practice. Like when you're taking marketing courses in college or you're, you know, you're coming up through a job, like, are we waiting 10 years for enough people to be in leadership roles in marketing that they're making that central to the job function, like making accessibility a key cornerstone of what you do as a marketer. I hope not. That's a, that's a long time away. Like it's getting better, but I hope it's getting better quick enough, you know? Yeah. And I'm always, I mean, I kind of said it yesterday when I had a presentation on this, there are no laws around accessibility and social media right now. There are, the WCAG guidelines for digital accessibility for websites. People like to reference the ADA, but that's brick and mortar institutions and kind of dabbles with websites, but there are no laws for social media right now concerning accessibility. And I feel like that is going to change in the near future just because of our current situation and how everyone is suddenly very much online. We're relying on these technologies. Zoom had to kind of change on the fly of, oh, we mm-hmm. have we have live captioning. We're so yeah. sorry. So I, I really feel like in the next five years or so, we're, we're going to see some laws kind of try to make their way through the process of getting actually being laws yeah. and affecting social media, which sadly, I think we definitely need. It's something to lean on. But I wish that people just had the thought of, well, I should just care about people. I don't need a, <laughs> I don't need this law to tell me to care about people. It's like that picture that goes around. You should just care about people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you bring an interesting point up and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier with Zoom changing and, and then Instagram not using their own accessibility features. One of the most difficult parts of, for, for me making our own social media accessible is that we're often at the mercy of these platforms. And to many platforms, the accessibility isn't seen as a priority or something that can come later, like just ship the feature, accessibility can come later. So a lot of times we want to use some of these new features, you know, Instagram stories and reels and, and accessibility on TikTok isn't all that great. We, we don't want to be left behind on some of these platforms. So when, if ever, is it okay for, for social media managers to use some of these new tools if they can't make them fully accessible because there's no way to do that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always the workarounds. Like, you know, when I talk about captioning with stories, I, I always have, well, I use Clipomatic to caption my short videos because it records vertical. It's great for stories. You can record it square. So I'm like, there are workarounds, but they're there shouldn't have to be workarounds. I get really frustrated because the API for Instagram doesn't allow third-party platforms to add the alt text. And I'm like, 
can you just change the API? Like, I get it. You, you, <laughs> Facebook wants you to use Creator Studio. We can do a whole episode on Creator Studio, Alexa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it wants you to use its product where you can schedule posts and add the alt text now, which is, is wonderful, but I don't want to use Creator Studio. It doesn't work half the time. I, I want to use the platform that I pay for to manage my systems, which is Sprout Social. But again, Sprout can't do anything because they can't get through the API. So yeah, it's, it's, again, a lot of this is reliant on the platforms actually saying, yes, okay, we're going to value people over profit finally. Sorry about that. It, it brings up the issue too of, of how we use social media as individuals, you know, as marketers, we could use, put alt text on everything and, 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 you know, if our wish came true, every single brand would use alt text and, and accessibility best practices. But individually, people aren't always doing that or are, are aware of that. You know, I make an effort to kind of, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk of when I post something on my personal account, I try to make it accessible. But sometimes that's not always feasible as an individual like you know if i'm replying back and forth to you alexa and i've got a a, a gif and my, my three-year-old is like bouncing up and down like <laughs> wanting my attention i might just ship it without the alt text you know well um, i i you know what that's fine because i i tell people all the time if i'm talking to someone one-on-one -on -one in a thread on twitter I'm, I'm probably not adding the alt text to my images because i know if I know that that person doesn't rely on it and I'm having, again, a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I probably don't do it. But if I'm sending out content that's meant for hundreds, thousands of people, I am definitely doing it. So yeah, I, I definitely take shortcuts with my own personal social, but that's my prerogative to do. I, but again, if I'm sending something out to everyone, then yes, it has the alt text. But one-on-one -on -one yeah. conversations, I'm a little bit lenient with. Yeah, and I think that's an important uh, distinction to make too. Not you know for individual brands as well as that. The main thing is to make an effort to do these things. You know, we're not always going to be perfect. I think sometimes my alt text image descriptions aren't written you know really well, but that you know something is better than nothing. Sometimes like mm -hmm. we're making an effort and we're we're trying to do better. And I, I think anybody who's listening to this who is wondering about accessibility is like just just start, just just start making the effort. Yeah, and that's that's my big thing is the goal is progress. You're never going to be perfect. I am never going to be perfect at it. I have full, not full, but I have, you know, use of my site. I don't rely on this stuff. So I'm never going to be 100% good at it because I don't rely on it. So I don't know, you know, is this good alt text? I, I can't tell you really to me. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think any effort is better than no effort at all, which is again, kind of what I stress because my thing is awareness and education. I try to educate others that way. I don't want anyone to feel like they're being shamed by the information that I'm putting out there, which is why if I see a brand do something, I'm always polite and I direct response. I don't put them on blast. I don't retweet them into the timeline of like, look what this brand happened to do with all these emojis. So I try really hard not to do that because I don't think that works. People are resentful of that type of um, strategy, so to speak. So again, awareness, education, a lot of people just 
don't know how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you kind of bring it to, to a point too, of we ourselves don't require some of these assistive technologies, but how can we better bring those who do require them to the conversation and improving our accessibility? Do you do any sort of getting feedback from those who are using assistive technologies at all or are aware of any universities that are do, doing that? So actually, I'm not going to name the team, but there is an MLB team where someone who works for them is very much involved in their accessibility best practices, and she is blind. And she actually sent me a message last week saying how much she appreciated what I was doing, and she thought it was a really great initiative, and she was happy to see me doing it. And it was just really touching because it was the first time I'd actually had someone who relies on these best practices. Sorry. (laughs) Someone knocked on the door. Give her a second. She's old. She'll wear herself out. Okay. I think she's done. (laughs) She wears herself out really fast. She's like 11. But anyway, it was the first time I'd had someone who relies on these accessibility best practices reach out and say, yes, what you're doing is making a difference. And that meant a lot to me and just kind of reaffirms like, yes, we're heading in the right direction. We need to keep doing this. I need to keep shouting about this loudly for other people to understand, for the people in the back to hear. And we've kind of talked about how we can work together to make this more of a thing within our community. So that's that's really exciting to me because I have been asked before, like if you were brought on to any of the major social media platforms, what would you immediately do? I was like, I would make accessibility teams that are made of people who rely on this, who need this, who understand why this is important. I don't want those teams to look like me because I don't need this stuff. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't be the person that people are like, oh yeah, she's the expert. I'm a expert. There are people who are way more involved in this world than I am. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's important to, to kind of always remember and kind of keep in the back of our minds. But again, it's not something that we can, you know, we, we can make that effort to do, but, you know, it, it's not feasible for every single post to run through somebody, you know, that person would need to be on the payroll too. Of, mm-hmm. We can't just rely on volunteer work and or, or ask people to do volunteer work to, to do this for us. So it, it's an important thing to consider, but from time to time, getting that feedback from those who do use those accessible technologies is really valuable and, and, and a good major step in helping us improve. Yeah, I always put the caveat in when I like write about accessibility for digital spaces of I'm writing it from the standpoint of an advocate, an ally, a marketer. Please do not assume that what I write about all text is 100% correct. I am doing my educated best to give good guidelines for people who are trying to start doing this. My, my stuff is really the basic of the basic. And this is the beginner stuff, the technical stuff. So I am not the expert. Well, I, you, you are, you're a prominent expert. We'll, we'll <laughs> say that. So that said, from talking about the basic of the basic, so let's say some, to somebody who's listening to this who wants to get started and get on board with making their social media more accessible, what, what steps can they take right now to start making, making their social media accessible? Sure. So I have four basic areas. One is copywriting. So putting your 
hashtags and camel case, which everyone's always like, what is camel case? If it's a compound word, then you capitalize the first letter of each of those words. So camel case would have that capital C and another capital C. Pretty straightforward so that screen readers can uh, understand, oh, it's multiple words. Emojis, icons, being considerate about how you use them because emojis all have descriptive information. So you shouldn't be putting emojis in the middle of content. You shouldn't be overloading your content with emojis. I know people really like like emoji illustrations, but they're just small nightmares for screen readers. Then obviously adding alt text to your images is a huge part of accessibility for digital spaces. That is like, I could go on and on about alt text and why it's important, how to write it and all the different aspects of what makes good alt text. And then um, captioning your videos, whether it has closed captioning, open captioning, I don't care, but it should have captioning in there either as an option or you are forced to read it. So those are kind of the four big areas of copywriting, emojis and icons, images, and videos. And, and you know, the bottom line of all of these, none of these is expensive to do. Like, and no, nothing that, with the exception of, of captions and, and transcriptions, are really all that time consuming. Like, right. you know, you can camel case your hashtags right now. That's not a big deal. You can add alt text that takes an extra 30 seconds or a minute to do. So like right away, you can instantly start seeing results and, and being more accessible on your social media. And especially because, I mean, even with captioning, if you upload a video to YouTube, YouTube is going to do its best to auto caption it. And then you can go in and edit those auto captions. So, which is something that you know I do all the time and I'm pretty fast at it at this point. So I I feel like people always think they have to start from scratch when it comes to captioning. I'm like, no, YouTube will help you and YouTube will help you for free, um, which is great. I mean, a lot of it is just like those emoji illustrations. How much time did you take to do that? <laughs> we talk about time being a commodity with social. I'm just like, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot, a lot. Same thing with the fancy fonts for Instagram. You had to go yeah. to a separate website to generate that text. So what, what are you talking about when you mean, oh, I don't have the time Time for what? That's a mic drop moment right there. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about that for just a second, because we see it all the time, whether the, the, you know, the emoji illustrations or are kind of text-based illustrations of like the little cat holding a sign or something like that. The ASCII. Yeah. I think we, we see it, but I don't think people understand the impact that has on a screen reader. Can you describe that a little bit? I saw a tweet from a a major brand and it had, oh gosh, probably somewhere around like 25 cheese wedge emojis and a bunch of little people icons. They were trying to like do a graft of how much people like cheese and it, it sounded terrible. And what would take me about five seconds to comprehend took my screen reader about 30 seconds to run through. I mean, thankfully when you have the same emoji, it just goes 10 cheese emoji. But what does that mean? Like if you're just listening to this and you can't see the content, what does 10 cheese emoji translate to you? So that's a lot of cheese. Yeah. It's a lot of cheese. People really (laughs) like cheese, but yeah, it was like emoji baby. Uh, straight line, 10 cheese wedge. And I'm like, this sounds like someone just threw a bunch of like icons and, and characters and like, yeah, send tweet. This makes sense. It's like Dada's poetry. 
Yes. That's, yeah. It's if, if uh, Jackson Pollock was a social media manager, this is what he'd be throwing out there. Yeah. But, and two, you've made a good point that accessibility isn't always like the fun police. Like we, we can do the, still do these things. Like you can have those illustrations as an image with alt text rather mm -hmm. than text based in your tweet. Just because it's not accessible doesn't mean you have to skip out on the, the fun stuff and you don't get to, to play in, in the, the meme that's popular that day. But we just need to be cognizant of how can we do this in a way that is accessible? And right. if more people start doing it, it becomes the norm. If anything, you're being fun for more people than you were before, you know? Exactly. There was a, a woman who, she, she does use a screen reader, I wish I had saved the tweet, where she had an example of a tweet she had seen, and it was, there was something in the middle of this giant block of emojis, and all the emojis were different people emojis with different skin tones. And for anyone listening who doesn't know this, every emoji does have its own description. But then when you change the skin tone, that adds an extra layer to the description. So it could be baby light skin tone, baby medium light skin tone. So she had her screen reader read it and she had her screen reader set to a very fast speed. So it really ran through it, but it was still like obnoxiously long to listen to this tweet of this giant emoji illustration. And she, she said, or you could just do it like this and then screenshot that emoji illustration and added all text to the screenshot and tweeted it out. I was like, yeah, that's all you really need to do. I've had people push back, but like, well, I like ASCII art and I like emoji art. I'm like, that's, that's great for you. Good. I'm, I'm glad you like it, but other people can't understand what it means because it doesn't make any sense. And, and it's not, you know, sometimes it's not about what we like, <laughs> you know, as a marketer, I'm not creating for my art just because I like it doesn't mean anything, right? Exactly. Um, what it, it doesn't mean it's the best way to, to do it. My personal preference and personal taste should not always enter into some, some, some sometimes, like, you know, my, I have very strong taste, but. <laughs> well, it'd be like uh, me saying that, okay, I work for, I work for a public college. Um, we are taxpayer funded. It would be like me saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to recognize this particular group of politicians that have supported the college because I don't like them. I, I don't get to do that. I, I, I am unbiased when it comes to the content that I put out for the college. So you kind of have to make the same approach when it comes to accessibility. Yeah. Alexa, thank you so much for being with us uh, this week. We really appreciate it. And do you have any, any plugs? Where, where can people find you, uh, find your work, uh, learn more about you? Sure. I can always be found on Twitter as hashtag HeyAlexa. That is literally the word hashtag HeyAlexa. Don't try and put the pound sign in there. And my website is therealalexa.com. Yes, I am throwing shade at my stolen name. OG Alexa. Yeah. I thought about making it that, but uh, I am always down to talk about accessibility for digital spaces, especially social media. So I, I love chatting about that. So anyone can find me online just about 24 seven. Excellent. Thank you so much. 
Thought Feeder would like to thank Podium Education for sponsoring this episode of the show. Podium Education partners with colleges and universities to offer turnkey tech skills programs delivered 100% online. Their coursework covers emerging technology areas like data analytics and web development, giving students from all majors the skills needed for a great career in the modern workforce. If you're interested in increasing enrollment and attracting top students, bring Silicon Valley to your campus with Podium Education. You can learn more about Podium at podiumeducation.com. And if you like listening to the Thought Feeder podcast, we would appreciate a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate a follow on Spotify, but you can also subscribe and listen to us on every podcast platform imaginable. If you find one we're not on, let me know and I will I will fix it because we should be on all of them. And you can always uh, find us on Twitter at ThoughtFeedPod. Find our previous episodes and transcripts of every episode that we have at ThoughtFeederPod.com. Once again, we want to thank Alexa Heinrich for being on the show and for having such a great conversation with us. Thanks so much, Alexa. Thank you. Have a good one. Thought Feeder is a production of University Insight. 